Nation.net. From the Jeffro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring Happy Mondays with two-for-one Happy CBD Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. We talk a lot of baseball on this program. We don't do a lot of analytics when it comes to baseball on this program. I think part of the reason is because your co host, Trent, is 64. <laughs> well, you can still do math. Yeah, I, I know. Your just, math is more based on horse racing forms. Yes. Had a good weekend at Del Mar. Opening oh, weekend was I a saw weekend. that. Yes, indeed. Off on the right foot. Let's get Mark Simon in here. This is what he does for a living, after all. Sports Info Solutions is where you can see his stuff, ESPN, uh, their stats, info, etc. cetera. Uh, and he joins the program. Mark, uh, we're grateful when you find the time to come on with us, seemingly a couple of times every year. And thank you for doing this. Trenton, Ken, and Des Moines. How are you, Mark Simon? Hi, I'm good, and I would say, too, that, uh, A, thank you for playing my song, and B, uh, I am exactly the type of person who can explain analytics to a 64-year-old who likes the horse racing form. Perfect. Uh, I'm all ears, my friend. I'm all ears. So, who? give me a team that analytics, a a good, uh, a positive and a negative. Give me a team that analytics say is, should be way better and a team that analytics says this team is playing way above where they should be. Are there two such teams? So let me give you the team that probably should be better than they are first. Uh, we'll start with the San Francisco Giants, mm-hmm. uh, who are 48 and 47, and in third place in the National League West. And they do some things that I think that a lot of people would like. One is that they hit the home run. Uh, and they hit the ball at the ballpark, they get on base at a pretty good rate as well. They have a high on-base percentage relative to the rest of the league, and their pitching does what it's supposed to do. It it gets, it gets allows few base runners. It does not allow a lot of, um, a lot of walks. It does not allow a lot of freebies, uh, and it doesn't allow home runs. But the problem that the Giants have is that their defense has been atrocious this season. And it actually came up in each of the four games that they just lost to the Dodgers. There was at least one ball where I think you would say that the out probability, which is a sabermetric stat that you may or may not be familiar with, uh, was in the 70, 80, or 90% range where their defense didn't necessarily make an error, but failed to make the play. And as a result, you give a team like the Dodgers, best team in baseball arguably, extra outs, and they're going to beat you. And the Dodgers, the Giants easily could have won two games in the series. They wound up winning none. So they're 48 and 47 instead of 15 and 45. And that pattern has essentially repeated itself the whole season. So I would say that they are my, uh, underachiever for, uh, what you are, uh, talking about. In terms of the overachiever, I'm, I'm a little, it's a little harder on this one. I was thinking, Cleveland or Minnesota, but they don't necessarily really fall in that. Uh, Seattle, um, I thought could fall in that. They don't apparently fall in that either. Um, 
I guess you could say, <laughs> I guess you could say that the Yankees are, are overachievers, mm-hmm. but it's very hard for anybody to go 66 and 31 over 97 games. But I, I don't, I don't necessarily know, uh, see a lot of overachievers within what I'm looking at, uh, this season. The Brewers could be a little bit. Maybe the, the Brewers are a good example of that, that the Brewers should be two or three or four games worse than they are. But because, uh, they have a guy at the end of the game who, for 95% of the season, take out the 5% where he was terrible, <laughs> is essentially an automatic. And they have a guy in the eighth inning who is an automatic. Um, you know, instead of a team being uh, 45 and 5 when leading after 7 or whatever, and they're like great. So they're overachieving a little bit because I think they have the two really good guys uh, at the end of games, even if Tater had a bad week uh, recently. So I want to go a direction here, deeper inside the numbers. As we see, you're watching a baseball game, and you see this little stat line that comes up. For years and years, it would be average, home run, RBI, and those would be the only numbers listed. And now, more and more, we see on-base percentage listed there. Maybe a little more stats that are added to a TV broadcast, but I've tried to do that. I do high school play-by-play. Talk about on-base percentage. Talk about OPS, and I was told just last week, you know, OPS, that's not the number anymore. It's got to be OPS+. plus. I Just as I thought I was finally figuring it out at 42, like, all right, old man, you don't know what you're talking about. It's OPS+. plus. What in God's name? Explain OPS+, plus to somebody that thought he had it figured out. Sure, and that one's actually not that uh, complicated. Good, good. Um, imagine uh, a scenario where uh, 700 and change was the league OPS for the season. Mm-hmm. If you are, um, if you are, essentially OPS plus measures how far above or below that you are. So if you're a, I don't know, like a 720, you're probably like an OPS plus of 115 because you're about 15% over, gotcha. uh, the 700. That's all it is. If, if you're like a 660, you're probably 85 because you're 15% uh, below. Now, there are little tricks within it that, like, if you play 81 games in a, you know, hitter's park, um, there's a little penalty for that. It's not that much, though. It's like the place where there's a big penalty is like Coors. Um, but most of the other parks, that doesn't really come into play. But it's, it's essentially to create the idea that, okay, if the league is 700 and you're 800 and you play 81 games at Coors, that's not the same as playing 81 games at Comerica. If you have an 800, an 800 at Comerica is more impressive mm-hmm. than an 800 at Coors. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. So this is more of a measure against everybody else in baseball. Yes, exactly. I don't know that I would use it at the high school level. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That'd be difficult. But I think in, ma- in the major leagues, it is a useful tool. Hmm. Uh, let's stay on the ballpark theme. You mentioned Comerica, and they have moved the fences in. Complete opposite of Baltimore, they've made it more difficult to hit home runs at, at Baltimore. Uh, are those, um, is, is now, um, I guess Camden Yards the most difficult place for hitters? I actually have it in front of me, but I think it's the bottom five park now, uh, in terms of home runs, which is a kind of an absurdity, uh, given the history of that ballpark. Uh, the Orioles have 41 home runs at home this season and 56 uh, on the road. And I think the pitching numbers are similar in terms of home runs allowed. But, yeah, putting up that, they essentially uh, did, they created a city field 
circa 2009 scenario with that ballpark, which is not necessarily a, a fun kind of scenario to have to watch games because they made it so much more difficult to hit home runs. Mm-hmm. The thing is that it's actually played into the Orioles' strength a little bit this year. They're a very good defensive team, um, and I think that, that that's allowed them uh, their pitchers give up fewer uh, because the outfield defense is particularly good there, and that's allowed them to be about a 500 team this year. It, it, it seems to me, Mark, uh, Mark Simon is our guest, Sports Info Solutions. If you're going to bet on baseball, if you're going to bet on this game, you should probably pay attention to all of these stats, right? I mean, it's easy to to look at the pitching matchup and uh, this team's on a roll and no, oh, this guy's not going to play type of thing. Um, but if you're really if you're really going to try and make a profit betting baseball in the long season that it is, uh, this could come in very handy. It's kind of like you know me leaving for the track without the daily racing. Form in my back pocket, right? I mean, yeah. this will help a lot, won't it? Yeah, I, I think understanding ballpark effect um, definitely comes into uh, effect like um, when you're playing over-unders. Um, I don't gamble, so I'm, I'm kind of speaking from inexperience here, but certainly uh, if you're if you're looking at Baltimore this year, uh, I'm guessing that, there, that there's been a lot of under uh, in terms of uh, runs scored, uh, whereas Understanding that if a game's at Coors, you know your your number is going to uh, you're looking at a higher number. Um, yeah, there, I, I, w- I would say having an understanding of analytics uh, comes in handy both in terms of the gambling and also in daily fantasy. We actually do on our Twitter sis underscore baseball. Shameless plug: we do a, a daily fantasy kind of player of the day where we look for someone who's like maybe tenth in value in terms of cost. Uh, but first in value. And there are usually a couple of guys like that every day. Good stuff. Mark Simon joining us here. Sports Info Solutions. All right, I want to go to your sweet spot. We're going to get to the races that matter most, the AL and NL Central here in just a little bit. But <laughs> want to go to the Yankees and the Mets. I'm going to start a question with the Yankees. I just don't get it. I've watched baseball my whole life. I saw Matt Carpenter play the last couple of years. A guy stunk. I mean, just brutal. And here he is, monster, just killing the baseball all over the ballpark. It can't be that he got a haircut playing for the Yankees, right? I mean, there's got to be more to it. How has Matt Carpenter does done what he is? Is it batting average at balls in play? Is that just through the roof? Because this guy was sunk, and now he's playing at a high level, limited at-bats. I get that. How does this happen with a guy like Carpenter? Rosenthal did a really good account of this about six months ago, maybe, uh, where he talked about how Carpenter traveled uh, all over the country, uh, looking at, uh, hitting instructors after talking to Joey Votto and figuring out, like, okay, I'm going to change my swing. And it's amazing how you can stick a guy in Yankee Stadium and all of a sudden, uh, everything that, that was wrong can suddenly be right. I don't know that he necessarily has this resurgence if he goes, uh, somewhere else. But I think he put himself in the perfect place just because the lineup there is so good and he doesn't necessarily have to be that great. But so here are his home numbers just to show you the, the value of Yankee Stadium. He has 35 at-bats there this season and he has eight home runs, 24 <laughs> RBIs, and a one six six five OPS. That's a three fifty OPS plus. That is essentially Mars and Jupiter-like, <laughs> other planets. Why, who's the best team in New York? Could, could if um, if a couple of New Yorkers sitting in a bar, one wearing a Mets cap, one wearing a Yankees cap, 
See, every time I watch the Mets, I think they're a really good team. Uh, but yet, you look at the Yankees' record, and they're just—I mean—and they play in a really good division. Are are the Yankees that much better than the Mets? Uh, I don't think that the gap is necessarily that large, and I think the gap shrinks in a in a few days when Jacob Degrom comes mm, back for the well. Mets, because then they'll have Scherzer and Degrom at the top of the rotation. They will have their pick of uh, essentially their next four guys, which are three veterans: Taiwan Walker. Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco, all of whom have been um, maybe Walker not as much, but Bassett and Carrasco have essentially been twos for other teams. And they have David Peterson, uh, lefty, who pitched very well in Degrom's absence. You could make a case that he might be their their third best starter right now. Uh, so I think I, I have said for a couple of months now that I thought that the Mets were going to win a hundred. Uh, I guess the Yankees look like they're going to win a hundred ten. I don't know that they're necessarily an 100 win, 110-win team, but right now they're just obliterating people with their combination of power. Uh, their pitching has been fantastic. You could not have expected that Nestor Cortez would be better than Garrett Cole. Um, that, that gives <laughs> them uh, uh, two that are elite. They are, uh, they are very strong at the three and the four, too. Clay Holmes throws this pitch that just kind of like, uh, if you've ever seen the movie, it happens every spring. It just kind of darts all over the place. Really great movement on it. He's replaced Aroldis Chapman. Everything that where they had to have something like step in, whether it be Holmes or Cortez or whatever, or Glaber Torres moving to second base, like everything that you could ask for for them to have gone right uh, has gone right down to uh, Jose Trevino catching. Uh, he's potential gold glover this year. Third base. Uh, the combination of LeMahieu and, and Donaldson have played fantastic. See, that's the thing that's kind of forgotten in this. Yankees ranked 29th last year in our defensive stat, which we call defensive run saves. Essentially, we're saying that they're the second worst defensive team in baseball. This year, they're first, and they're easily first, uh, and they have really turned it around in that regard. I would give slight edge to the Yankees, but I don't think it's that great. Toronto's not going to run them down, but I'll ask the question for Ken, <laughs> since he is a Canadian and a Blue Jays fan. This team, a lot of talent, has not been right. The pitching has struggled. Maybe they make a move. Can they get a frontline starter, Frankie Montas, something like that? You'd feel good about them. Toronto, do they have what it takes to make a run here, or is it fait accompli? It's going to be Yankees-Astros for the ALCS. Are, are, are you asking me or are you asking Ken? Well, I know Ken's answer. <laughs> My answer uh, is they're going to win it all. <laughs> I, I think Toronto will go for it, uh, and certainly at the trade deadline. Uh, I think there are some things that bode well recently that, that are good, like the way they played against the Red Sox, certainly uh, coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, I think they have a pretty strong team. They're probably a notch behind the Yankees. Uh, they could use Jose uh, Barrios being mm-hmm. what they thought he was going to be. If they had that, then they would have four really good starters uh, and potentially a fifth if they were to add uh, Montes. I uh, I. I think the thing that they have kind of working against them right now is kind of like the psychological disadvantage when they play the Yankees, that it seems like whenever they've played the Yankees this season, the Yankees have just figured it out against them, uh, whether it's against Jordan Romano or whoever it's against. Uh, and that's like it's like a Yankee-Kansas City Royal kind of thing from the late 70s. Um, I think they have to figure that that part of the, the hump out. That kind of goes a little beyond 
the uh, statistical side. All right, American League Central. I watched the White Sox. I think, how is this team not in first place? They're a 500 ball club. Cease is pitching extremely well right now. If Lynn can figure it out, Giolito, I think, is he's kind of hit and miss depending on when you watch him. I think Minnesota's going to look back and say, man, we really had an opportunity to put some daylight between us and everybody else. I don't buy Cleveland. Help me out with the Central. When the dust settles, who will be on top? <laughs> I think it's going to be the Twins, uh, and I I kind of agree with your your premise. I just feel like they're going to keep them at arm's length the whole season. The White Sox are a good one for your underachieving team this season. They should probably be better uh, than they are, uh, but they've run into certainly difficulties with Lynn being out uh, for as long as he was, um, and Giolito just not being the Giolito of the past. They can say thank goodness for Johnny Cueto, who would have figured sub three yeah, ERA really. from him. Um, I feel like like the AL Central is so – if you were going to compare like where the Astros are and all those AL East teams are, like all those AL East teams except the Orioles are probably ahead of the Twins. Um, I, I just I'm – not, I'm not overwhelmingly impressed by them, uh, but I feel like they have enough, uh, particularly if the center fielder stays healthy. Uh, I think they have enough between – the pitching that they do have with Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and and Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer uh, and those guys, uh, I wouldn't feel overly confident if you were going to talk about gambling. Uh, but I feel like they, the White Sox have just been snake bit this year. The White Sox also have are another team in that Giants mode where they tend to give uh, opposing teams extra outs uh, when they really don't need to be doing that. So we go to the National League Central. Before we dig into the Brewers and the Cardinals, it's a two-team race. Uh, Ken mentioned there's a report out there, the Cardinals, with a farm system and maybe one of the favorites to get Juan Soto. Juan Soto, if he's traded, how big of an impact does that make for you for a team? When you're looking at a team, putting together a lineup, I know it's who they replace and who's their, you know, who they're going to take out of the order, but talking about it maybe from a wins above replacement level, what kind of impact is Juan Soto wherever he ends up if he's traded? Um, it's pretty huge. Uh, it's definitely very large in St. Louis because their outfield, uh, is pretty much, I would say, decidedly unimpressive, uh, this season. So you talk about wins above replacement. It's, I guess, wins above what the Cardinals have. It's, uh, pretty notice, noticeable. I think within a, a short, within a short stretch, if you think about like the impact that like Cespit has had on the Mets in 2015, you could see a scenario where he hits like 320 with like a 460 on base and a 600 slugging, and he takes any team and he adds probably four or five wins to it uh, just in those last, what is it, 70 games of the season, 60 games of wow. the season. Uh, I, I think it could be that great. Yeah, he's, he's, he's really good. And that Cardinal lineup, it's so funny because they're, it's completely top-heavy. They have three guys that, that are really good. Or and and then they just don't have much else. Um, uh, it, it would be funny to just add more top heaviness to it. Hmm. Interesting, uh, Mark Simon. I love our conversations. I feel like I learn a little something every time we speak. I'm grateful to you for doing that. Just uh, somebody just texted me and asked me to ask you before we get does it doesn't have to be a long answer because we've imposed a lot of your time here. Who wins the National League East? Mets or will the Braves run down the Mets? No, I think the Mets are going to win. I think the Mets are going to win a hundred. Although I have, I may have to come down on that just a little bit. Uh, I think the Braves are going to win ninety-five ish. 
uh, I think the Mets will will wind up prevailing in the NL. Good stuff. I actually feel pretty strongly. Uh, you mentioned that uh, that daily fantasy player is that a subscription service? And for the people no, who play, so that, that, where is so that on our on our Twitter? Yep. Uh, SIS underscore baseball. Almost every day of the week, uh, at around like three four o'clock, we put up like a daily fantasy player of the day, uh, and then there's a link to where you could subscribe to a service that RotoWire does that uses their data. Um, but you, we, we, I feel like we give you one pretty good uh, option uh, every day. Mark Simon, uh, fascinating conversation. Mark, thank you for doing this as always. We appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. Mark Simon, as we talk a little, uh, go inside baseball. Would you call it that? Oh, that's deep inside Analytical. baseball. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, uh, good stuff out of Mark Simon. A bright guy. I mean, this is what he does for a living. Mm-hmm. ESPN Sports Info Solution. We'll take a time out. Before we do that, I want to remind you a couple of things. Right now, it's time for another $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, you can enter this nationwide contest. The keyword is pay. Pay at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Another reminder, our colleague Heather Burnside is out at Come and Go, 156th Street, 156th Street in Urbandale. Uh, all of their new food menu is available at Come and Go. If food's not enough, Heather's got prizes she's giving away. Uh, she's out there until 1 o'clock here today. Come and Go on 156th Street in Urbandale. If you're in that area looking for um, you know, so grab some lunch on the go. Uh, stop by there, say hello to Heather, win some prizes, and sample that new food menu. She is there until 1. Miller and Connor will be joined by Nick Oson when we come back on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Why should you apply for a career with Wolf Construction? It's exciting and it's fresh and it's new every day. It creates new challenges and opportunities each day. I wouldn't want to work anywhere else but Wolf Construction. You can look around and go, wow, look what we've accomplished today as a Wolf team. Wolf offers competitive pay. The benefits are great. They have a matching 401k. Don't wait. Apply today at Wolf Construction. Get on board here. Join us here at Wolf Construction. Sign up and let's go. Wolf Construction is a great place to be. Apply today. Wolf Construction. Local farmers markets are back in 2022 in your community. The Uptown Ankeny Farmers Market offers fresh seasonal produce, homemade baked goods, Specialty food items, perennial plants, and homemade crafts. Visit them at 9 a.m. on Saturdays, now through the 24th of September at Ankeny Market and Pavilion Park. For more information on this Greater Des Moines event and others, visit CatchDesMoines.com. This Farmer's Market PSA is brought to you by NCMIC. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. 
Visit circusports.com.edu. Well, construction can give you a good life by giving you opportunities to be a part of a team that does real tangible things in your community. For many of us, it's that feeling of doing something with our hands and creating something from scratch and or giving back to a new home or a remodel project. Do you enjoy working with your hands? Do you enjoy providing for your community? Do you enjoy getting out there and doing a hard day work and coming home and saying, yeah, I did that. Apply today, wolfconstruction.net slash careers. Now back to Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNL. Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We're going to talk some Iowa State. Just had a daughter of an Iowa State coach uh, stop by the studio. Yeah. Johnny Orr's daughter. Oh, is that who that Becky was? Becky Orr. I worked with Becky. Well, I don't, I don't think her last name is Orr now, mm-hmm. but I worked with Becky at Prairie Meadows in 1989. Oh, okay. My first year when I was here. Good to see her. I haven't seen her since then. We haven't changed a bit. <laughs> well, I saw pictures of you back in the day. Woo. Uh, with the mullet. Yes. Anyways, let's get to our friend Nick Oson. He covers Iowa State. CycloneAlert.com. He's doing a tremendous Tremendous job over there, really keeping that uh, website going. There was a lot of momentum behind it and has not missed a beat since our next guest took over. Nick Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Nick. How are you? Appreciate that very much. I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing really well. Nick, when is uh, when does fall camp start for Iowa State? I know that I think Nebraska starts this week. They play a week earlier than everybody else, or not everybody, but most teams. So is Iowa State a week away from starting fall camp? Do you know? Yep. Yeah, I do know. It'll be just about a week away. We've got a local media day next week, uh, I believe the second, and then fall camp starts the day after. That'll be great. And so many storylines to follow with this team. Just so many new names to figure out after everybody basically came back a year ago with the extra COVID year. We felt like we had a really good grasp on the roster and what it was. There's been names certainly we've talked about here, going back to spring practice with you, Nick, and, and trying to find out some of these names and some of these guys. There's still lots of questions, though, questions about what this team is going to look like. How many job openings do you believe that there are? Yes, everybody has to work to get their job. I get that. Mm. But how many do you think, coming down to the 11 positions on each side of the football, how many of those are really open going into August camp? Yeah, so I would say there are maybe not quite as many as you'd think uh, with so many, you know, kind of guys gone and highly talented players that are no longer with the program. I expect there to be somewhat of a competition at one of the wideout spots. Mm-hmm. I think that there is at least some talk of competition. There's really a top six or seven so on the offensive line. So really, like, one of the tackles, I would say, potentially a linebacker, and then safety slash corner. I've kind of got an idea, especially based on talking to the guys in Dallas of where things kind of sit. But yeah, I'd say there are definitely still a few competitions left to be had. I think especially at spots where younger guys kind of flashed early in the spring, they're going to get legitimate looks at some of those positions, I'd say, especially wide out and corner. And then it'll be, you know, kind of interesting to see how things shake out. But I do think the ones and the twos are, you know, fairly set for, 
the anticipation after spring ball as well. So uh, there's uh, the running back, and I'm going to ask you about Cartavius Norton because you, you were the one that alerted me to him uh, and, and perhaps some of our audience for, for the first time. Jirel Brock, Brock has paid his dues. Uh, he's going to get his opportunity. And there's some talent, we think, behind him in Sanders and Silas. But Cartavius Norton, it wasn't too many years ago that this uh, linebacker who had had very few offers um, – his name is Mike Rose, came in, just took a spot, right? Never gave it up. Might Norton be a guy that, I'm not saying week number one, but by, you know, the middle of the season is is playing more than anybody thought that he would. I think I can comfortably say yes there because you didn't, you know, frame it as necessarily taking that one spot right away. But I do think, I mean, that, you know, kind of a team, especially with the varied expectations this season, where you want to get the best players on the field. And I do think Norton brings just this kind of straight-ahead, hitting-the-hole-running-through-people type of mentality and ability that the other guys might not have. And so I think that you need to get him on the field. I think recently, and this kind of goes off of what Campbell said in Dallas, he spoke on how deep this running back room really is. And that's something that I've kind of felt the same you know, since spring. I said that about the running back and the defensive backfield. And it's been interesting to hear him kind of echo those same things. So I would say you'll certainly see him as long as he is healthy and obviously doing what he needs to do in practice. By all accounts, he has certainly done that. I think Norton will get a lot of run, and I think this is going to be a backfield where Jarrell Brock starts as the starter, deservedly so. But a lot of guys get those touches throughout the year as we get into October and November. Two guys I want to get your perspective on offensively. Two big guys one Easton Dean started his career as a quarterback, moved to tight end very quickly. Feels like the tools are in place, and now certainly many opportunities for him at the tight end position. What you've heard about Easton Dean. And then secondly, Darian Porter from Bettendorf. Young guy, was a track star. Big coup for him, getting him out of Eastern Iowa over to Ames. What your thoughts on Porter? And it, Kind of a make, and break, make or break season almost for both of these guys as they get deeper into their tenure. Yeah, quite honestly, a lot of good things. I would say Dean has certainly shown flashes and done what he needs to do. I think that's a tight end room, similar to the running backs, that is fairly open because you lose some of those big names like Kohler and Allen. You know, I've mentioned good things about Deshaun Hanukkah on this show as well. I think that some of the younger players are going to get chances too. But Easton Dean is a name that I've heard consistently. And then Porter, I have heard actually a lot about. As you mentioned, you know, kind of getting later on in their careers. I think he had a really strong spring, and there are going to be expectations of him. I mean, Campbell specifically mentioned him a week and a half ago, and he's going to be you know, kind of relied on heavily as long as he has a good fall camp. In that defensive backfield, obviously, you know, it's changed positions and there are varied expectations there, but Porter had a really, really strong early this year. He's kind of been a little more vocal as well. I know that he's been looked at well there. And I anticipate him to be high on the depth chart when September comes around. How big of a gap? We know it's Hunter Decker's job. At least we assume it's Hunter. It would be an upset, right? If Decker's isn't the guy starting week number one, how big of an upset? Or how big of a gap, rather, between Decker's and whoever number two is? And we assume it's going to be Beck. Although we heard some good thing about Marv Cook's kid. Speaking of Beck's uh, dad, by the way, you see, he's the old man's coaching in the XFL, Trent. He the St. Louis, I want to yeah. say, right? Uh, they announced that yesterday. But how big of a gap, uh, Nick, between Deckers and the backup quarterback, we'll assume it's Rocco Beck. 
Yeah, I would have to say a pretty sizable one, and that's no offense to Cook or Baxter or anyone because their talent really shined earlier this year, and that's why you know the staff feels so good about the QB room. But just based on longevity, skills, the different physical attributes that you know I've mentioned with you guys with, that Decker's kind of brings, the leadership that he has kind of garnered from the team, and the fact that he is just really good at making just about any throw, especially stretching the field, I would say it's a pretty sizable one. And I can tell you guys that, you know, this team and this offense are really kind of excited by the idea, not only of having Deckers as the starter now, but of the different things he's capable of doing, you know, not only with his arm, but also his legs. He's fast. He's, he's cut. He's leaned out a little bit. And, you know, he's a guy that I, I've got high expectations for. I'm going to be consistent with that. I think the gap is sizable. And I really do feel that he can be a star in this Big 12 conference this year. Over to mm. basketball before we get into the recruiting. And it feels like it very well could be imminent with Omaha Blue. He's going to be making a commitment here pretty soon. I had an opportunity last week I saw to talk to some of the guys coming in, including Eli King, the young man from Minnesota. I think he's going to be a fan favorite up there in Ames. Uh, what did you take away your conversation with incoming freshman Eli King? Yeah, I think he's going to be a favorite as well because I think he's a really good player and he's not afraid to, you know, not only work hard but also improve on areas where he might need to. He was very honest and reflective with the group of local media how, you know, early on it takes some adjustment, not only on defense with how hard Iowa State goes here and, you know, how important that is within the system, but also saying, you know, early this summer, the defense was well ahead of the offense as a unit, and the offense has really had to work together, especially those young guys like King, Watson, Lipsy. You know, King and Lipsy have been getting some run at point guard this summer, obviously, especially King there, which is not always expected more of a combo guard. But, you know, he was really kind of reflective, and I was impressed by that. I think that, you know, he's got a terrific IQ for the game. I don't think he's afraid to kind of be vocal and, you know, be a leader. And I've got really high expectations with him. His offense was obviously more of a, you know, kind of shining star in high school, which is expected for a lot of these guys. But if he can put in the work and defend, you know, guys like Gabe Kelsher and Jaron Holmes at practice, I think that King will be, you know, I agree, a fan favorite and someone that could really at least show some flashes early on in his Cyclones career. Uh, Nick, allow me, if you will, to go back to football for just one minute, because I said last week when this happened, I, I was looking forward to asking about the question. I can't remember the kid's name. The kid from Lincoln. Um, I mean, you, you, you grew up in Lincoln, right? you got to think he's going to be a Husker fan. You would think, and, and maybe he was, yet he's going to be a Cyclone when he gets here next year. Can't remember his name. I know he's a receiver. I, I have to believe it's uh, quite a coup to get a kid who grew up in Lincoln uh, to go anywhere uh, other than uh, stay home and play for Nebraska. Benny Ngoye, wide out. Absolutely, Ken. That was a really good get for the staff, not only getting him out of Nebraska, and he had a really nice offer list. You know, Iowa State, Washington, Nebraska, Minnesota, Kansas State, places like that. And he's a guy that, you know, I think he likes a lot of what Iowa State's program has to offer, obviously. If he committed here, but he also really hit it off with players like J.J. Cole, Jamison Patton, and Kai Black on the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit with Iowa Flex. He spent a couple weekends with them. I know he formed a nice bond with J.J. Cole, and, you know, there was a time where it was looking like he was headed to the Huskies in Washington, but the staff kind of kept at it. I know that Cole formed a great relationship with him. 
And they have kind of a clear-cut role that they can show him, not only in terms of an Xavier Hutchinson, Alan Lazard, big receiver, but also he's got the ability to stretch the field and kind of make plays after the catch like a Jalen Knoll in the last year or so has shown. So that was, you know, a strong pickup. He's actually jumped up in our ratings recently. So they've got three top 130 receivers, I believe, in this class, which is going to be some great weapons for J.J. Cole and potentially more on the way there as well. Omaha Blue wins a championship at Peach Jam with Mocon uh, this past weekend. There was a report from uh, Zag's blog, Adam Zagoria's site, a very big college basketball site, that said he's going to make a commitment right after Peach Jam. Peach Jam's over. How long do we got to wait? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great week for Iowa State <laughs> and Cyclones fans. You know, I I feel good. I have felt really good about Iowa State and Omaha there. I've, you know, said consistently if he's playing college basketball, it will be an aim. And the staff has done a really nice job with him. I think this was kind of a, a cherry on top this weekend in terms of his team there. And I would expect. It'll be it'll be a good week here in A. Hmm. Nick Olson, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Uh, Nick, as we said, uh, love your hustle out there. You're doing a great job. Your predecessors got that site uh, headed in the right direction. You have kept it there, uh, Nick Olson. Good stuff. Talk to you next week. Trent won't be here. It'll just be you and I, and maybe we'll take a look at, at this upcoming schedule or um, perhaps get into that as uh, we'll be, what, a day or two uh, before the start of fall camp. Thank you, Nick Olson. Appreciate you coming on. Talk to you in a week. Looking forward to it, guys. Have a great time, Trent. Thank you. See you, bud. Nick Gosen, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Great week coming. <laughs> well answered. Yeah, he's got his VIP subscribers to look after. He absolutely does. I, I think that says everything that you need to know. It's certainly been trending this direction. Yeah. You know, and Nick John ha- Lamb said that when I've been yeah. gone and you've had him as a co-host, right? It, Nick has had his crystal ball at 24-7 in mm-hmm. for Omaha now for a month plus. Speaking of that, uh, Nick was over at John Lamb's gym last week getting some shots up. Yeah, figure maybe a little information was being passed back and forth there also. But everybody believes this is where it's trending. The national people have continued to see. I, I saw a national recap article I was reading, uh, and they were talking about Iowa State certainly being the clear prohibitive favorite for Omaha services. It's going to happen. going to happen this week, and Boy, that recruiting class all of a sudden, I'm telling you, PJ's got it going on. Yes, he does. It was always one of his strengths. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize he can coach a little, too, as we saw yeah. last year. Uh, we'll take a timeout. Trent's play of the day. Uh, that comes up next. Circus Sports sponsors. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circus Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circus Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com. Meadows. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, final couple of minutes here on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Murph and Andy coming up at 1, the Fanatics at 3. Emery Songer, I believe, is 
in the chair all week, I think. Oh, really? I think he's, yeah, he's, I think he's pulling a lot of shifts anyways. Well, Trent, this is your last couple of minutes here for, mm-hmm. till you recharge those batteries. Let's go out a winner, shall we? We need to. As somebody uh, said on Twitter, it was a rough week last week. We gave some back to the book after a pretty hot month. Down 7.5 units last week overall. Last 30 days, we're up 47.2. There you go. Now, two golf winners is going to do that. That's helped out in a big-time way. But, yeah, it was not pretty overall last week. We jump aboard with three plays here today. Start with the Marlins. Going back to the board with Trevor Rogers on the bump against the Reds in Cincinnati. Get Miami plus 115. We go to a big favorite. San Diego goes to Detroit. Saw Detroit over the weekend. By the way, no Dick Bremer. Yeah, I heard that. Who There's, was doing the uh, call? Some crook. I looked You've him never, up. You don't Volkers know him? was his name. No idea who it was. Yeah, I, and, and Smalley was uh, was doing the color, right? Uh it was Morneau. I think was there Saturday. Was he? Yeah. Regardless, not the Dick Bremer I was no. used to. He must be taking a long vacation because the Twins are off again today. Didn't play Friday. They don't play Monday. No. Good for them. Yeah, right. Good work if you can yeah, get it. Most I guess. of the locals are off. Kansas City yeah. plays, but I don't think uh, the Cubs play. Yes, they do. Yeah. They're at home, right? And I looked at them hard. They're kind of a big favorite, though, against the Pirates. and was not Pirates willing. play them tough, or have. And that's why I was not willing to play the Cubs, even as well as they played over the weekend. Yeah, right now it's circa Cubs minus 138, the Pirates plus 126. Stayed away there. Going to play the Padres, though. Big favorite, minus 156. Another big favorite, Flexen goes for the Mariners. I'm going to lay the one and a half. They've been really good against righties. Otto goes for the Rangers. Lay the one and a half with the Mariners bouncing back after they taking the chin. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Competition gets a little bit more difficult, and the Mariners is all well and good. Are you still feeling good about that Mariners bet after the weekend? I was feeling a little better going into the weekend. You know, just would it kill you to get one of them? Right. Uh, that that didn't happen. Well, Trent, listen, uh, enjoy your vacation. You certainly deserve it. Um, you'll be back, and you'll have, what, like maybe one or two Friday nights off before high school right. football will be here. So enjoy the family. Have a safe trip, and we get you a week from Wednesday. Week from Wednesday, yeah. Six days off here, sunning, funning, and having a great time. Time at the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> Good for you. Fun. Good stuff. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, Murph and Addy again coming up at 1. The Fanatics will be here today at 3. Still waiting on that announcement. Tick, tick, tick. Well, will it happen by the time I get back? Oh, no, 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 no. You might not even, well, I was going to say you may not even have landed. It's coming. Good. Yes, it is good. It is really good. Miller and Condon, thanks for being with us. We talk sports with you every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3.